the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson. Uh, Pack 12 South here for you on a Monday. Pack 12 fans, did you miss out on the North Division? Well, come on in and get it loaded up in that feed. Pack 12 North was released on Friday. We also have the ACC Coastal and the ACC Atlantic. We've got Spotify playlists for those of you on Spotify. And so uh, we're going to continue to, to build uh, this live library of information. I mean, this is stuff that's going to help you here in the first week of August. It's going to help you second week, third week. Before you know it, we're going to be here at week zero. Gentlemen, week zero, 26 days away when Nebraska and Illinois are getting our season started. Tom, the biggest game of week zero is the debut of Brett Bielema. How are you feeling about has has the calendar turn flipping to August really brought it made it real for you because it's it made it real for me. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's exciting because it's it's things are just really starting to pick up. Like we've we've had to use you know conference playoff talk and conference realignment talk to get us through, but like now you know even if you just look at the NFL, there's there's a preseason game this week in the NFL, so that's always a sign. And then I was looking at the calendar yesterday, and it's like wow, you know couple more Saturdays to go and we're going to have actual football to watch actual football to talk about and of course if you want to get a season started right you have to do it with the preeminent college football program in the country so of course Illinois has to be Illinois plus seven go season. ahead and yeah. lock it up the numbers the numbers are off if you just want to go yeah. ahead and get in there uh, they got Nebraska overrated all right anyway but today is the Pac-12 South uh, gentlemen are you all ready to lock it up let's do it do it as much as I think it's the, the under Count is a safe up. play, like, I can't even. Count them up. Count them up. How many games are going to win this fall? I can't fathom who wins. How many games are going to win this fall? I just can't. I don't see it. Not, it's not on there. It's not, not the schedule I'm looking at. Unless there's another schedule somewhere. So the way that we've been doing this so far is that we start with the win total on the board, uh, which is the greatest, work our way all the way down. And it's the the most interesting topic, or at least the uh, toughest one to pin down, is a, is a number that's off the board right now. It is the Arizona State win total uh, at uh, Caesar Sportsbook. It's not there. Uh, you can still, I think, look at maybe some conference championship odds or some division odds, but that win total has been taken off the board. The number that I have pulled, uh, courtesy of Vegas Insider, as it was posted on June 21st, is at nine, and that is the largest number that we're going to take here. So, For Arizona State? For Arizona State. I did find a current one, if you guys want to use it, you can bet. 
Okay. There's an eight and a half out there somewhere. Eight and a half with, with even juice. Eight and a so, half with, do you want to use eight and a half for this? Because that's also the number we're going to have for USC. That's also the number we're going to have for Utah. It's, it's very much representative of this top shelf of the division. I think it's more current. And like, you know, if, yeah. Okay. I, I, I think we should. It makes me feel better. Yeah. Eight, eight and a half. It's a real pick now. Okay. So, um, Within this context, we're going to say how much are you looking at the allegations of recruiting violations and anything that, you know, might come down further? We've already had a staff member placed on administrative leave. You know, will there be uh, players who end up getting caught up in this? We're going to dive into all that. But one of the reasons why Arizona State is near the top of this list is not only because you've got um, a very talented quarterback in Jane Daniels. You've got a team that's really been building up. But I mean, I, I look at this non-conference, Southern Utah, UNLV, BYU. Uh, when you look at the cross division, they avoid Oregon and have kind of that nice uh, Oregon State, Stanford, Washington State. Always nice to get those teams that are that we believe, based on the win totals, are probably going to be near the bottom of the north. So, um, who's... Danny, you said it makes you even more confident. Arizona State, we're setting it at eight and a half here for the podcast. Which way are you going? I'm going to take the over. I am bullish on this team despite their issues. Now, some of this is a bet that this is going to take a while to play out. Like, there aren't going to be players that are ruled ineligible. I mean, we've already seen a coach. Was he dismissed or did he leave? I thought it was administrative leave at the moment. Administrative leave. Um, That, to me, isn't that significant. Now, I would also... So this is the risk you run because I would wait and get as much information as you can. But I think the more if there's good news about Arizona State, I think it's going to go um, up to nine. And then you're kind of you know in a, in a bad spot. But I do think this team. So we've seen teams before in the history of college football been dealt bad news and they're still good teams. Right. Mm-hmm. We've seen teams miss you know, potential playoff runs, bowl games, and still dominate, still even go undefeated and make claims to a national championship. So if it's some ruling like that, like they're not allowed to play in bowl season, they're not allowed to do there's there was a bowl ban or whatever it is, I don't think it impacts them at all. Um I think they've got one of the better quarterbacks in the conference in Jaden Daniels, who's really dynamic, who's really exciting. I think they've been crushing it on the recruiting trails, which is a big problem why we are where we are. And you've heard a lot of coaches uh, express concern about that. And I also think their schedule, like when I look at it every time, I see eight wins that I feel really, really good about. I see nine that I also feel good but not great about. And I think the upside is there for this team to really break through uh, and to possibly challenge USC for the division. But I do think... These two teams, and we pair them with USC, I think they're the top of the South, and I think it'll be that way at the end. I'm I'm going under. Yeah, I'm going under. Yep. Yeah. Danny's on a limb. Listen, when Danny said he had to make a call after the radio show, I was guessing it was to Herm. Herm. Yeah, I thought that Danny was picking (laughs) up the phone. Was it really? To call his boy. Um, (laughs) All right, so we got three unders and an over. Let's, Tom, do you want to take a stack? Because I've got one on-field and one off-field point that I want to make. I mean, it's I, I don't think I'm going to actually bet this at any point just because there's way too much that's, you know, that you can't really calculate. But like all that off-field stuff, you have to feel like that's it's probably going to have some kind of impact on the season. But it might be the impact where, you know, the whole team kind of, you know, us against the world rallies around it, goes out and has a great season. It's just... 
when I think of this Arizona State program under Herm so far, it's like that first season, like the expectations were so incredibly low. It was a it was a hire that was mocked by most people like, you know, what the hell are you doing? And then they really exceeded expectations, but they still only finished seven and six. And then the next year, expectations were raised and they disappointed, but they did improve. Last year, everything kind of got thrown out with COVID and, you know, they finished two and two. So it's like, I like Jaden Daniels. I've, I've liked him for a while. I've hyped him up on this show for the last few years. I think they're a talented team. I think they have recruited well. It's just, there still seems to be a point in that program between talent and execution on the field that I haven't seen them quite hit just yet. And because of that, and because of the fact that they haven't won nine games yet under Herm, and because of the fact that they have all that stuff going on off the field, I just, I have to stay under because there's, there's a realistic chance that, you know, the second half of the season is just a complete waste as it's all interim coaches. So Denny uh, discussed how he thinks they have eight wins that are basically locks and, and another couple that he feels really good about. Um, and, and I think that's really the, the, kind of the big difference between us two. You know, for me, um, Personally, I think if you see eight guaranteed wins on this on this schedule, you kind of regarding them as like a top 10 caliber team, right? Maybe not a top 10 finish, but like one of the best top 10, top 11 teams in the country, probably. I'm more in that sort of 20 to 25 range for them. Uh, and so my, my number is 7.9. So I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the under here. I, I think Jaden Daniels has a lot of talent, but – and I don't know who you want to put this on, right? Maybe it's on the young receivers last year. Maybe it's on him. Maybe there's some combination of both. But, man, they were very inconsistent throwing the football. And it's a four-game schedule, right? And one of the games was an Arizona team that had basically just totally quit. Uh, but, like, man, they were, what were they, a hundredth in passing success rate last year nationally? That's pretty poor. And that's, that's adjusted for opponent, obviously. So, you know, they're not getting double credit for, for crushing an Arizona team that had basically quit. They would hit some explosive plays through the air, but, man, just they, they could not move the ball consistently through the air. The other concern I have about them is their run defense. They were 119th in rushing success rate allowed last year. There's some teams on this schedule that can run the football kind of sneakily. I think BYU will still be able to run. At Oregon State is a team that can definitely, I think, run the football on them. Stanford? may be able to run. So I'm a little bit questioning uh, how many of those are locks. I think they'll trip up in one of those games, to be honest. You don't think, worst case, they're 5-1 and one to start the season? Let me pull up their, the actual order of the schedule. Because they go Southern Utah, win. win. UNLV, win. I'm giving them that's win. That's a win. I don't UNLV think is not there yet. is going to be very good this year. I agree. I, agree. I think that's a win. I think that's a win. Colorado at home, I think, is a win. UCLA on the road, I think, is one of the ones I would put as a one, but I think they can beat Stanford at home. So I think they're five and one leading into a road game at Utah, which so, then it gets, then it's a little bit more dicey. Then I've got Washington State as a win, and then they need to get one of USC Washington. And then I think they win Oregon State, Arizona. But that gets them to 10, actually. My, like, I don't know. I, th- I think the, I think the team's closer to nine than they are to seven. See, I, I'm counting the other way. Like, instead of trying to count up the wins, when you're at the top of the board, I start looking for the losses. And when I see this schedule and I'm going at UCLA, at Utah, at Washington, and USC, that's like, that is a very, very tough proposition for me to think that 
uh, you're going to be able I to think they march get through one of those. That's all they need. But that's uh, that gets us to nine and three. And so you yeah. think that which is an over, which is an over. But you think there's no slip up. Can't have a slip up, right? That's, can't have a slip up. That would be like, and that goes to Bud's point of if this is a top ten team, you're zero. You know, you're you're locking those up. I see your point totally about back end 2025 where those games, you can think they're locks. We can write them W's when we're talking about it now, but the reality is the inconsistencies come into play and they make some more, way more toss up games. And so for the NCAA stuff, I'm not concerned about penalties specifically in season. I'm concerned at the level of detail in this dossier. And I understand that, you know, some of the coaching changes have been made, but uh, I would not feel comfortable at the trust level within that program based on, you know, what's going on. You know, you get in trouble and then you're trying to figure out, you know, where it came from and everything was already secretive with the whole COVID recruiting operation. It's just not something that for, I'm not going to be betting this. I'm not going to be locking this up, but if we're giving gambling advice, that is built into my under the idea that not only can I get three or four games that I think could be losses, but when we talk about no slip ups and no inconsistencies, if there's any kind of, if, if, if anybody is not on the same page as someone else, that could be the, the razor thin margin that we have in this division. Yeah. And another thing too, to point out, like if they're going to get to nine wins, they have to, you know, like I think like the four road games, UCLA, Utah, Washington, Oregon State, the four road games within the conference are going to be huge. You're going to have to win at least two of those to get to nine wins. But the problem is under Herm in conference play on the road, they're only four and seven. 11 and 11 overall, 500 team against conference opponents so far. Mm-hmm. But hey, he gave us that Michigan State win. That was fun. You know, got, got us all going, got us all really excited. Uh, all right, so Danny riding with this guy, fresh off a phone call for all the latest intel on the Sun Devils, <laughs> three uh, three unders for Spark. I don't think Herm's talking to anybody in the media right now. As, just to be clear, <laughs> you're, you're very very correct about that. How many games are going to win this fall? That is the question for the USC Trojans. Uh, eight and a half as well, uh, plus one hundred five to the over, minus one twenty five to the under. Um, I just, I, all right. So we've got uh, San Jose state BYU at Notre Dame is your non-con. They miss Oregon and Washington. You get Utah, Utah and UCLA both at home. Um, who, who wants to take first stab at this one? And I guess my, my question for the, which, which might be where we determine this over under win total is how do you grade the Notre Dame game? As a loss, a definite loss. I found myself, a, yeah, I found myself questioning that, and I started like really looking at this USC team. I said, I think they like if Slovis is playing to what we imagine he can be, the best of Keaton Slovis is put together for let's say ten out of the twelve games. If one of them is up in South Bend, I think USC can win that win that game. I don't, I don't think it's a definite loss. I think it's their most likely loss. Like if if you just go percentage wise of outcomes for their games i think that's the one they're most likely to lose but i don't care because i'm still going way over yeah okay cool because <laughs> like I, I look at the schedule and i understand like there's there's the usc disappointment factor which is obviously going to play a role in the way that the team is viewed on the market there's the fact that clay helton is not a good coach factor which is obviously going <laughs> to limit the ceiling of this team 
But like I look at this schedule and I look at the talent that USC has. And yeah, I know we've probably all fallen in this trap a million times already. And it seemingly happens every year. And I'm not going to sit here and say USC is winning the Pac-12 or USC is a playoff contender. But like to get to nine wins. Yeah. Like what what are the games? Like Notre Dame is the most losable game on this schedule. And that's not even like a 90-10 kind of loss. That's more of a 60-40, 65-35 kind of loss. And I look at the rest of the schedule there are no real, like, no chance in hell games. Like, you get Utah at home. You've got Arizona State on the road, but it's late in the season as we just went over. Who knows what Arizona State's even going to be at that point? You get Cal on the road, that'll be tough, but you get UCLA at home, you get BYU at home, you get Arizona, Utah, Oregon State, Stanford at home. I just, I have a, if this team loses four games, then, you know, Clay Hilton's got to be fired. So I guess I can't lose, really. (laughs) <laughs> um, ditto for what, a lot of what you said. I think that in the Pac-12, your cross-division draw is huge because you played nine conference games. You're going to play mm-hmm. two-thirds of the other division. And when the two teams that you miss from the other division are Oregon and Washington, that is a favorable draw. I'm, I look at I, this is also, an easy over for me as well. Kudos to the Pac-12 for finally figuring out how to schedule <laughs> to make sure that your good teams are good. Give me the under. Whoa! Ooh. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not buying in. Um, I, I. I think teams are slowly starting to kind of get a better read on what USC is doing on offense. Um, I, I know Slovis was was hurt at times last year, but their passing efficiency throughout the season kind of dropped some. People basically just started dropping, you know, dropping eight and daring to run the football. I don't think this is a very physical football team, um, and I'm just not into buying, you know, overs on these other teams in, in, in this division. Like I, I, you'll see coming up, there's some other teams that I think are basically uh, on a similar level with in some cases, you know, easier or, or similar schedules. So for me, it's the under on, on USC. I like how, what games for them are like, no doubt locks that you're very confident, a Clay Hilton coached USC football team. These are absolutely locks like Arizona at home. I think so. San Jose state. I agree. Stanford at home? Yeah. Yeah. Probably what, 85% maybe? Yeah. You know, okay. Oregon State? Yes. I think (laughs) so, but like they've they've screwed up and lost to to worse opponents than that before at home. BYU? I was going to say yes, but it is the last game of the season, so BYU might have its stuff together by then. Playoff spot at stake for USC. Oh, right. Well, exactly. Uh, well, at Cal. They're, they're screwed if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Cal, you know. That's tough. At Colorado. That, you know, that, that, that's one of the wild cards that I guess we're, we're going to get to later in the show. It's like I Colorado obviously exceeded expectations last season for all of us. I just I don't know how much stock to put into that last season yet. I think this is an eight and four football team, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead, go ahead and take the under. Well, our number's nine, right? Eight and a half. Uh, eight, eight, eight and a half. half. Okay, it is eight and a half. All right, I yeah. love the over on this one. Yeah, all day long. Uh, I will give Bud some credit though for being the only one of you guys on this. What is we're becoming the Fire Clay Helton Pod, which I'm not comfortable <laughs> with, but you guys are. But at least Bud's willing to stick to his convictions. But I see. <laughs> I think this might be, this is my most confident bet in the Pac-12, I would say, is take the over eight and a half on this one. I think when you go over the games, I, when we talk about 
you guys know the priority I put on quarterbacks, and I know the offensive line was a problem in the spring. I feel like that's a position, even though as, as a Florida State guy, I had a team that struggled with this for four years now. I feel like it's something you can iron out, you can protect somewhat, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. But I still think this team has more talent. How many games of this – and then this is where you guys – is where Bud has the conviction to say, hey, well, Clay Helton's going to be that poor – they're going to have better talent on the field every game except for one. That's Notre Dame. Probably anybody yeah. else is, is anybody else close to them? Arizona State? No, maybe not no. for top end talent. But has the talent been developed? I think it's developed to the point where they can win these games. They can get their nine wins. Now, can right. it win a national championship? And would I no. pick them as a dark horse for a title or even a playoff spot? No, because I think the Pac-12 is going to do Pac-12 things, and you're going to have you know. And probably two nine and three teams, maybe one ten and two team in the, you know, in the conversation at the end of the year. So, but I think this team is good enough to win nine games. That's all I need. I think this is one of the safer plays out there. And and they don't have any Friday night road games after a Saturday huge game against you know like one of the top teams in the conference <laughs> or like ten straight weeks with no buys. Well, they do they have feel that much differently if they were six and zero last year and had stamped it and like not had a disappointing loss in the like at the end of the year. No, like if they started actually dominating Pac twelve teams on a consistent basis. Yes, I would absolutely <laughs> feel differently. Okay. Yeah. All right. Count them up. The Utah Utes over under win total set at eight and a half minus one twenty to the over plus one hundred to the under. Um. Weber State, Weber State at BYU at San Diego State, non-con. A couple of roadies in there, but um, all right, we'll get to it. Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, and Oregon is your draw from the north. I I look at it, and I see 3-0, and and I understand that two road games, that might be a little tough. If you want to push back on it, I, I will just counter with my belief in, in this Utah team and sort of buying that stock. Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, Oregon – I, I kind of got that one three and one against the North in that run of four games. And so I, I posed the question that I found myself asking three teams in this division, which is funny. I say, can you go three and two against your division? Because this is a division where I've got Utah, Arizona state, USC and UCLA all very closely rated together, big drop down. And then you go to Colorado and Arizona. I, can Utah go three and two against division opponents when you are going to get two of them? I believe Colorado and Arizona. Can you get one out of USC, UCLA, and Arizona State? I think that answer for Utah is an emphatic yes. I'm going over eight and a half. I'm right there with you, man. Over for me. I've already bet them for the division at what plus four seventy five earlier. I think that's dropped a little bit now. Um, I did the around the clock episode with, with, with Steve Bartle for, from our, our Utah 24 seven sports site. I, I think this is a, a physical football team. Their offensive line should have better continuity. I am not buying into the Connor Brewer hype quite sure. as much as Utah fans are. Yeah, like, yeah. He was, I guess, perfect in the spring game. And that's, I don't really care about that as that noted much on the cover three podcast. Yeah, 15 for 15, man. I'll never forget oh, it. My gosh. <laughs> but I am buying in that he's an improvement over, over what they had last year. They should be really good again on defense. Um, I'm. This is one I like. Give me the over. We like Andy Ludwig, offensive coordinator. There, it's pretty good. 
And they got, you know, obviously tragedy with, you know, the death of Ty Jordan, but they went to the transfer portal and picked up a couple of options that I think are going to be able to help them. So, yeah, awesome. Bud's on. Who? Anybody else on? Or are we going on the other side? I'm on the over. And I, I, I'm not going to go – I'm not going to pull in all overs in the Pac-12 South, but this is the third over in a row. Um, I think Charlie Brewer is a massive improvement from what they've had over the last several years. And Kyle Whittingham and this program have an identity. Like I think sometimes you struggle and you see changes at coordinator and you see changes along, you know, position coaches leave and you see, you know, trying to recruit differently. They know exactly what they want. They want to play really good defense. They want to run the football. They want to work in some play action pass. But their defense, once again, is going to be physical. They're going to be able to shut some teams down, run game, make them one-dimensional. I think they're the Wisconsin, the Pac-12, and they just surprise people every year, and they're in the conversation in November, and they could possibly you know, make it in the Pac-12 championship game. And if you really – if you separate Kyle Whittingham's first three years when they just joined the conference and were trying to figure out their way, since those first three years – around nine wins has been the floor eight wins has been you know worst case scenario i know they had a seven win season but feel pretty safe like you're going to get a product that's going to be around this number like I, you might not win this bet but you're not going to lose embarrassingly bad it's not going to be like i can't believe i was so wrong on utah so i like those odds like give me a team that i can feel like is going to be in this conversation late so i'll take the over finally i'm on my own i'm on the under Ooh. i uh it's not like a super high confident pick I, I i'm not gonna bet it but the way i look at things i, I think eight and four is more likely than nine and three like chip you mentioned they're you think they're gonna go three and zero in non-conference and i think that they easily could it's just that two of those non-conference wow. games are on the road byu and san diego state who are two respectable non-conference opponents and you're not at home for either of those so early in the season that kind of stuff wouldn't be surprised if somebody slips up and screws up and having them in back-to-back weeks especially i think has an impact i think if you look through the rest of the schedule uh you get stanford on the road on a short week like you play ucla at home on saturday the day before halloween and then on friday night you're playing stanford on the road and then the week after that you're on the road against arizona so it's like well i think stanford and arizona on the road are easily in a vacuum are winnable road games the circumstances in which utah has to play them kind of suspect and then you've got oregon the very next week which i think is if you look at the schedule i think even oregon at home is going to be a more difficult game for utah than usc on the road because at least that usc game Utah is coming off a bye. Meanwhile, for USC, I think it's like their sixth game in a row without a bye. So, you know, USC could easily be kind of banged up for that one. But then after you play Oregon and you likely lose and you might be get beat up a little bit, you're again on a short week having to play that next Friday against Colorado to finish the regular season. So I look at this Utah team as being well coached. I've, I've got Ludwig on my, you know, draft cover three coaching draft team. I, I love Kyle Whittingham. I, I love what this program has done. It's just when I look at all these extenuating circumstances, I don't think Utah is talent-wise at a level where it's like I can just assume they're going to win these games and not look at the kind of maybe potential pitfalls that await them with this schedule. So I think eight and four is more likely than nine and three. I'm going under. Tom, what do you make? Uh, what do you make Utah BYU in week two? I think that should be a Utah win because, as we've talked about, I, the BYU team we're going to see in 2021 is going to be completely different than the BYU team we saw last year, not just in personnel, but also in a step up in class and who BYU has to play. That said, 
it's still BYU Utah and it is in Provo and it is a huge rivalry. So, you know, we've seen crazy things happen in those rivalries. So I think Utah should probably be about a touchdown favorite. Yeah. I, I made it nine. I, I bet the six and a half like three weeks ago. Um, that, I think that's one of our differences as, as to why I like the over more. Yeah. Two points. <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> but it adds over. up. I mean, if it's yeah, two over, points a per, se- over a course of a season, two points adds up a lot. A hundred percent coming up on the other side. We take a look at a big year for Chip Kelly and the Bruins, Colorado in year two with Carl Durrell and Arizona. New man in charge is Jed Fish plus the college football playoff. We had an expansion announcement. We seem to have the format. We debated it. We talked about it. And now there's a there's a little bit of pushback. Uh, so what do we think about the future of the college football playoff expansion based on what we've been hearing in the wake of conference realignment? All that and more next The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You know, this Caesars had a set with, uh, you know, a, a whole bunch of just nice, nice halves, but we do have one round number here. And it's for the UCLA Bruins. I've got them at seven with uh, minus 110 on either side. Non-con is Hawaii, LSU, Fresno State. From the north, they draw both Washington and Oregon. Then uh, Cal at home, Stanford on the road. What do we think about the Bruins? Another team that I found myself saying, can you go three and two against division opponents? I think push is what's going to happen. But when given the choice of having to choose between six and six and eight and four, this is one of those scenarios where I think UCLA is going to be a better team than its record suggests, because I I do think that they are being somewhat flying under a little bit under the radar because they did look, and again, in the PAC 12 last year, who knows, but they did look solid last season. They did look like that was a program that was finally getting to what Chip Kelly was hoping to be. And it was finally starting to look like the team that we thought it was going to be. But like you mentioned, Chip, the, the, the schedule is 
tough. Ridiculous. Like you get LSU in your second week of the season, then you get a buy. So you're using a buy in the third week of the year just to recover from that LSU game. Fresno State at home, that's a decent non-con game, but you should win. But then you've got Stanford on the road, Arizona State at Arizona, which is kind of another maybe possible buy, but it's on the road. But then you get at Washington, Oregon, at Utah. And those are like those three games are the toughest three games of that stretch, obviously. And at their very back end of that stretch. So I, I, I could easily see them in that, what, one, two, seven game stretch. I could see them going three and four. I could see them going two and five, depending on how something's breaking. While the finish of the season is a little more convenient with Colorado and California and USC on the road sandwiched in between, I just, that's that's going to be one of the tougher schedules in the Pac-12. So I think UCLA is a team that could be good, and it might be one of the better teams in the conference. It's just I don't think its record is going to reflect that. I think 6-6 six and six is more likely than 8-4. and four. Again, push, but I'm going under. Tom with the under. Over. But I agree with the premise. I count this up, and I see 7-5. and five. I'll give them Hawaii and Fresno State. LSU's a loss. Washington, Oregon, Cal, Stanford. I'm going to say it's two and two, and I'm going to say, hey, you know, I don't think UCLA is, actually, I can look at this right now. When Oregon comes to town, Oregon will be favored against UCLA, but I don't think it will be a number that is going to make it a wild upset if UCLA takes down the Ducks at home. I think that they are on a neutral field, a touchdown apart, maybe less than that, maybe six points apart. And so... I'm going to give you two and two against your Pac-12 North. Can you go three and two against division opponents? I'll give you Colorado. I'll give you Arizona. And I think you can get one of your Utah, USC, Arizona State. So, you know, two, two, three, that's right at seven. But because of my general overall um, confidence in this team, I, I'm going to go with the, an over here. I got the under. Partly because I had to, because I don't want to have all overs. But <laughs> I also think seven, I mean, it better be seven. You know, what if it's not? Like if it's like six and six, Kelly, do you think? Yeah, I think six and six. But I still think six and six. I mean, this is a program that Jim Moore was doing a pretty good job. I mean, it, like they were making bowls. Like it wasn't that bad. Now they've been in rough shape. Uh, to me, it comes all down to the schedule. Like in the other teams we talked about when we were talking about USC, Arizona State, you just like, oh, they dodge Oregon. They dodge Washington. Guess who plays them both? <laughs> UCLA does. So, you know, I, I would love to see Chip Kelly, you know, have a breakout year. I would love to see it. The offense has gotten better, but I don't know if it's enough of an edge anymore to go fast to spread the field, you know, all the things that were really innovative when he brought them to Oregon. I just don't know if it's that much of a difference now. And I was really bullish on this team. I remember we were doing a podcast. I was like all in on UCLA because they were, they only lost to Oregon by three. They were in a game late with USC. You know, their, one of their losses to Stanford was in overtime. Like they were in every game within a possession. All four losses by six points or less. Yeah, so I was all like, on them, I just the schedule is really hard to find uh, eight wins for me. So I'm going to take the under. Man, I, I I must be looking at a different schedule to quote Barton. Uh, I I love the over here. This this will be a bet for me. I I, I think they should make this seven and a half. Um, I think we are. 
I don't know. I, I've been in my head. I've been trying to figure out like what you guys really don't like about this team. And I think, I think you have a situation here where, and we probably just have different numbers, but I don't think they're a double digit underdog in any game. Right. So we can sit here and we can say, okay, LSU loss at Utah loss, Oregon loss at USC loss at Washington loss. But I think they're probably going to go what? two and three in that stretch personally, you know, like, like you're, those aren't games where they're going to be, be dogs of 14 or, or, or 21 points or something like that. Like they'll probably be dogs between, they might be favored in some of those, by the way, but if to the extent that they will be underdogs in any of those games, I think you are probably looking at a situation where they're dogs of like four points, six points, eight points. That means they're going to hang around in the majority of those games. I, I, I suspect. And, you know, at Stanford, not a tough place to play, really. At Arizona, I mean, if you got to go play a road game, that's not a bad place to go play, I guess. Cal at home, I'd probably rather get Cal at home. I, I think this is an eight-win football team. Um, this is one of the ones I, I like quite a bit. I think they made improvements last year kind of behind the scenes. It's also an extremely experienced football team. I am working on a project right now where I look at the attrition of all these guys that were hired in 2018 because that was the first year of the early signing period. And Chip Kelly's Bruins are a full standard deviation higher as far as like retaining the roster uh, than anybody else out there. Better so at didn't, it? The, well, yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. Like they have their guys who have been in his system now. This is their fourth year in his system. I think 77% of that first recruiting class for Chip is still around. And I mean, you have successful programs, even like Texas A&M, which is at 30%, right? They've had a 70% attrition rate after just three years. Um UCLA has a lot of these guys on the roster. I think getting Jay, Jay Toya f- uh, back from Michigan was really big for them, as we discussed, I think, a couple weeks ago. Like He was going to be Michigan's starting nose guard and because he didn't think he was allowed to transfer to UCLA. And once he realized he was allowed to transfer to UCLA, he got back. Like That's a big, a big piece for them in the middle. I, I think this team can win the South. So what's I don't your- think they will, but like I, I'm, I'm going over for sure. So if I moved it to eight, would you – still feel like do you think that there's a nine and three no okay probably not all right i i I would honestly like if you moved it to eight i i think seven is more likely than nine Mm -hmm. i just think that i think the proper number here is probably like seven and a half with 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 some juice to the under and then Um, you would you would still say take the over because you think this is an eight and four football team yeah yeah, I, but I'm out on a limb. Like I, 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 I could totally get pantsed on this one, guys, because like you guys made some good points. Shit, what am I looking at? Hey, I'm this with is, you. I'm on the over. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, but you're not. You're not like I'm going to bet this thing on the over. You're like, all right, I'll take the over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I've, I think it's a good football team. They got some of the highest like returning production in the entire country. They've, you know, got everything seemed to be moving in the right direction. I give you a good chance at some of these games uh, that are potentially going to be L's. How many games are going to win this fall? Um, the new CBS Sports 130 is was released on Monday, the preseason rankings, and uh, we I compared them to the final postseason rankings. I mean, Colorado just, just nosedived. I mean, no, no respect for Colorado. And that seems to line up with the odds makers who have taken this, uh, this Colorado Buffs team and given them a four and a half with it juiced to the under, plus 100 to the over, minus 120 to the under, but 
Man, in terms of like Pac-12 non-cons, you got Minnesota and Texas A&M to go with Northern Colorado. Then, uh, Danny, like you mentioned earlier, all these other teams that avoid Oregon and Washington. Well, guess what? You get uh, at Oregon, Washington at home, at Cal, Oregon State at home. Um, who, who wants to take first stab at, at Colorado? Well, Tom's wearing a Colorado hat today. So if you're not following us on YouTube, youtube.com slash cover three. I thought this was where you're coming on the other side of Utah, that you're going to come here with a a Colorado over where, you know, some of, some of those games that I've just been burying the buffs as we work our way through to the division. This is where Tom has his revenge. Let's hear it. Under. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I wore the hat to let him know that I still support him. It's just, you know, I don't, I don't have high hopes because like last year, they went four and two, but you need to take a closer look. Like one of those wins was against UCLA in the very first game of the season at like 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And it was a sloppy, crazy game. They won 48 to 42. Their other wins were Stanford, which wasn't great last season. But even so early in the season, they were really bad. And then they kind of figured it out as the year went along. They beat San Diego State, which cool, respectable, but still it was a 2010 game. And they beat an Arizona team that was really bad. Kevin Sullivan got fired. And then when they had to step up in class against a Utah and a Texas, they not only lost both those games, but they lost the first one by 17. They lost the second one by 32. So it's like there was clearly a gap. So like, as you mentioned, Chip, you look at that and then you look at their schedule. They open with Northern Colorado, which is an FCS program. And it is the only program on their schedule that is not a power five opponent in 2021 the other two non-conference games are texas a&m and denver and minnesota and boulder i don't see them beating a&m i think minnesota is probably a loss although it could be a win but i think that's more of a 50 50 because i don't think what we saw from the gophers last year was really all that accurate a depiction of what that team is so then you've got Arizona State on the road and USC before you're by. Those could be losses. When I'm looking through, I'm going through. It's like I'm trying to find the wins. Arizona at home, okay. Obviously, the Northern Colorado. Oregon State at home, maybe. Those are the three games I feel like I can confidently say Colorado's got a really decent chance of winning. I don't know where the fourth game that they have a really decent chance of winning is. And I, if I can't find a fourth win, that means it's going to be really difficult to find a fifth win to justify going over this total. So under, I'm sorry, buffs. I love you. I think Colorado will be a narrow underdog at Cal, but that could be toss up, but I'm, I mean, it's going to be low scoring, so they can't be too big of an underdog, but I just. Oh, and no quarterback. You know, you still got Jarek Broussard back. So congratulations. You've got a first team all conference running back, but you got changeover at the quarterback position. Um, Yeah, Tom, I'm with you under. I'm just going to get out of the way real fast on this one. Um, I had this 48% going under 52% going over. Um, You got to pay a dollar 20 to go over. It's even money to the under. So that's like half a percent better as far like I'm going to lose money either way based on my predictions here if I'm betting this because I just don't see an edge. It's a good number in my opinion. Uh, I think Tom made some really good points about how how much do you want to bank on those games they won in the first two weeks? I don't know. They also played Stanford early and Stanford early was an absolute disaster. San Diego State 
eh, Utah or Arizona was really collapsing down the stretch. At that point, they knew Kevin Sumlin was going to be fired, I believe, because that was on December 5th. Give me the under here. I, I think there's some potential regression coming. I'm continue to be kind of worried about the run defense. They were eighth in rushing success rate, about 127th in rushing explosiveness allowed, which is hard to do. It's almost like, hey, let's sell out for the run every time, but then there's no second or third line, I guess. There was only 127 teams that played football last year. So they were literally dead last in the country in explosive runs allowed. Uh, passing game was basically a, a zero for most of the year. I, I'm not going to bet this, but if I have to pick one for the show, which I do, just go ahead and give me the under very slightly. Give me the under. Another one. They better watch out for Northern Colorado. The father-son duo. Oh, I didn't think about that. With Dylan McCaffrey at the helm at quarterback. Watch out for a week one upset. I forgot about that. I keep Do we have numbers on that yet? McCaffrey was on Sirius XM with me on NFL radio. Like he had, he was on there all the time. And then he took this job. And I think he might've been doing the radio show a little bit longer, but yeah, Dylan McCaffrey went to go play with him. I think this problem, I think this program is going to have, like, and, it, and it's really a reflection of the uncertainty and just turmoil at the top because Mel Tucker was there for a year, then takes the job at Michigan state. And it was really an admirable job to get the season they did last year. But much like we've said about the Pac-12, you can't take much of last year. And and we've all we all said this, like you're probably best off in the Pac-12 week by week, waiting, waiting, getting more information because it is going to be a total crapshoot. There are so many uncertainties. We don't know what last year meant. And I think last year was more of a it's a smokes like it, it wasn't the reality of what Colorado is as a program right now. Schedule's brutal. I say take the under. Yeah. All I can't the- find a line for the Northern Colorado <laughs> game would, yet. I would hope they would blow them out. But if they don't, oh my goodness. Watch so out. Ed already has Dylan. Would he have taken Luke? Or is that further <laughs> representation of what Luke's actual ceiling is that he shipped him over to Mike Bloomgren, former Stanford offensive coordinator at Rice? <laughs> and but he probably told him to transfer. Yeah. You know, Scott Satterfield said, no, you're not, you're not playing quarterback. <laughs> All right. Count them up. Jed Fish takes over that Arizona program that we have been discussing. They also have a directional in the non-con Northern Arizona, um, BYU and San Diego state also on the non-con. When I, when I look at the rest of the schedule, when we have an over under win total of two and a half, um, I'm looking at minus 110 to either side. Um, are there three wins for the Arizona Wildcats in 2021? I've got three possibles, but I do not think it's likely. I'm going to be going under. I'll give them Northern Arizona. Uh, the Washington State on the road, maybe. Cal at home, maybe. And there's too much emphasis on the maybe for me to think that they get them both. So I'm going under. Going over. All right. Talk to me. I just, th- I, I think Northern Arizona is a win. I think BYU to open the season in Las Vegas is not an impossibility either because I think as we've gone over a few times, this BYU team is not exactly going to be the same team we saw last year. But more than anything for me, 
I just don't think Arizona is as bad as it looked on the field the last couple of years. Mm. I think that the coaching change, and we've never seen Jed Fish as a head coach, so we don't know if it's going to be an improvement. But I just feel like the situation with that team on the sidelines the last couple of years clearly bled through to results on the field. And I don't think this is a bottom feeder program. I think that there's enough talent on that roster where if there's a little bit more coherence on game day and a little bit more, you know, consistency this isn't a team that's going to go bowling but i think this is a team that can get to four wins maybe even five in the pac 12 is in the you know where there's you know they, they get colorado on the road that could be a win i i just i think they're going to pick up a couple wins along the way that maybe some people didn't expect they're not going to be great but they're not going to be bottom feeders like they were last year i don't I, think highly of byu and i still think byu is favored by like eight points in that game BYU is favored by. Is that line out? Oh, I don't know. I was just using. I was, I was presenting that even though I don't love BYU, I still have them uh, a touchdown tier ahead of Arizona. Yeah, they're BYU, favored by eleven. By eleven. Oh well. Again, my numbers do not like BYU as much as the market's oh, numbers at this I'll, point. I'll be right back. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm. I'm going to go over as well. Personally, uh, I. I do not see a, much of a chance to get their four wins here. I, I think that's not super likely, but but I think that they're probably 54% to hit the over um, as opposed to like 46% to hit the under. I think we have another situation here where for the most part, these Pac-12 teams are more closely bunched than we want to uh, maybe acknowledge or believe. I don't trust a whole lot of what happened last year. I mean, Kevin Sumlin, that was an absolute disaster there. There is potential for a new coach to come in and I think get these guys to play at a higher level. And that's not even, I don't know if Jed, Jed Fish can coach at all, but I don't think that he's going to be anywhere near as bad as what Kevin Sumlin was with what he had going on. So can you, can you get me two of San Diego State, Cal, BYU, Colorado, Washington State? I think you can go two and four in that stretch, plus Northern Arizona to get to three. So for that reason, I'm going to go ahead and take the over. They also took 12 transfers, by the way. Not all those kids will hit. Hell, I bet you some of those kids aren't even on scholarship. But if you get a couple transfers that hit, you're not going to win a national title with it, but you could probably do a decent job of getting to three wins. What grade did we give the Jed Fish hire? Do you guys remember? I mean, I don't know if we graded it, but it wasn't, high it wasn't super high. Uh, this was one of the more perplexing hires to me um, of the offseason carousel. And then it's almost like he tried to replicate some of what happened at Arizona State when he brings back Chuck Cecil and he brings back Ricky Hundley and he brings back Teddy Bruschi to play a role and like an ambassador. And a coach who hasn't, he's hopped from place to place to place throughout his career. He's inheriting a mess and it's a massive turnaround. I just, I think this is one of those lines that begging you to take, oh, they've got to get three wins. And then at the end of the year, you're like, what happened to this program? I just think this is, I think this is a tough job as it stands. And I, I just, I don't love it. This isn't one of my most confident ones, but I'm going to take the under. I just think this one's begging you to take the over and, I don't feel confident like saying, hey, there's an easy three wins, an easy four wins. I think it's going to be tough. So I think it's one you might be sweating out late. 
And if it comes down to an Arizona State, a rivalry game, or a Washington State, I mean, even down the stretch, they better get the three wins early. Because if think- they don't, I mean, you're looking at a six-loss finish potentially. The Washington State game is the one that you'd have to get. I think that um, while I don't, I haven't really set expectations for Jed Fish in the big picture. I could see this being one of those situations where you pull up a head coach's Wikipedia and in that very first entry of a job, it's like an offer in conference play. And you say, oh yeah, he took over a mess. You know, yep. like, like, oh yeah, there was everything that happened around that turnover. And then things might stabilize. So I would not be surprised to see an 0-9 in Pac-12 play and have it maybe not even be panicky. Maybe the team is, maybe he has things moving in the right direction. But um, all right. So we got two overs and two unders on Arizona. I think even if you're betting to the middle, I, I would be surprised if Arizona is closer to that middle group of the Pac-12. I think I've still got them with the ways, a lot of, lot of distance to go uh, before they get there. All right, before we get out of here, I uh, wanted to pitch this um, maybe first as a question, but then also want to see how everyone is reading the, the tea leaves, having discussions, the current situation. So, uh, Pac-12 commissioner, um, Klyovkov, George, wait, George Klyovkov, right? Yeah, Yeah, George. George Klyovkov at Pac-12 Media Days, really starting to bring the attention on the way that the college football playoff expansion was put together, uh, the way that it seems to be moving along the process pretty quickly, and has, you know, offered... Um, the suggestion and, and many others around college athletics seem to be jumping on board as well with saying like, Hey, Hey, let's not force this thing through, especially with so much uncertainty around realignment. So, you know, what do we think uh, is the impact on the college football playoff from realignment? And how do you think things are shifting in terms of the way things are going to play out over the next three, four five years? Well, I, I think that this is most likely going to slow down the expansion to 12. Um, I just in talking to people with some conferences, including where I was at with Media Day, they were like, you know, that 12 thing ain't done. Uh, like, it's likely, but it's not done. And then when the Texas Oklahoma stuff broke, they're like, mm, yeah, because they know that Greg Sankey w- was, was on that committee that was working on going to 12. And so was Bob Bowlesby. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it was. Uh, uh, George Klyovkov, who said, look, not everybody was working with the same set of facts and information here. 12 made sense for the fa- for the set of facts and, and situations that we believed that we had at the time that we were coming up with this proposal. We don't know if it still makes sense now. And he also brings up the point, like, why are we why are we letting ESPN just just have this? Why would we not take this thing to market and allow multiple networks to bid on it, which would almost certainly get you more money. Now, if you're the SEC, you'd like ESPN to have it because you're already really in bed with them at this point. They're they're going all in. They're probably not going to have as much money, in my opinion, to bid on the Big Ten, which sets up well for Fox or any other network, or maybe CBS, who knows, uh, that wants to come in and bid because ES- ESPN can't own every conference out there, right? You know, They'd eventually like they're to. Gonna, sure, yeah. right, exactly. But like because of how much they're going to have to pay now for the SEC and likely the college football playoff, they're going to have a little less money to bid on some of these other leagues. And I think these other leagues would like to see multiple different broadcast partners have a piece of the college ball playoff. Um, I know Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Director, made some comments on this as well. And it's a weird conundrum to me because if you're one of these other conferences, you would like to see that additional money from the playoff. So 
it's it's not a hundred percent. No way, we're not going to twelve. No, we we hate you guys. We won't do this because there's still that. Well, damn. When we expand the playoff, we're going to make more money, right? Per team, and, and they would like to have that cash. I just think right now they're taking a little step back and saying, "Is this really the right solution for what we have? Do we need five or, or excuse me? Do we need six auto bids for conference champions now? Like the six highest conference champions? If you have the Big Twelve stay at eight teams who don't recruit like a Power Five, there's a lot of questions like that that still need to be answered. Yeah, I, I think what the thing you touched on there is the more interesting thing is whether or not it happens quicker or it takes longer. Or, you know. It, throws things completely out the window. I think that one of the ironies of this could be that, you know, ESPN, which has made all its decisions within its college football realm around the college football playoff since the inception of the college football playoff could by now kind of uh, allegedly helping Oklahoma and Texas see the light about joining the SEC and combining forces ESPN could the, the an unintended consequence of this for ESPN is that it could end up costing ESPN its exclusive rights to the college football playoff. Now, maybe maybe ESPN doesn't see that as a terrible thing because maybe they're like, well, you know, they could save some money by not having to pay for it exclusively. But I don't know. I, I do think that if you are the Big Ten and you are the Pac-12 and your conferences that have deals with other networks, and you feel like ESPN and SEC are consolidating a little too much power, it could be, it probably is within, you know, your realm of what's good for you to bring it out to the market. So if if you're sitting at that table trying to negotiate an expansion, you might be more inclined to stall those negotiations just to get through the current deal so they can hit the open market and see what happens and, you know, spread things out. So it's, yeah, I, I know I said last week, I didn't think this would have too big of an impact on expansion because I do still think it's coming, but those are some factors that I think could be at play. So it's, I, we couldn't just have like an ultimate game of chicken here between the conference commissioners. And it's really, you know, we, we don't know a lot about George Klyovkov. We don't know a ton about Kevin Warren yet because his first year at the big 10 was just tumultuous. Welcome to your new job. Yeah. Here's a pandemic, but it's important. We got to realize too, like Warren has an NFL background. And if this is a sport that is heading more towards what is going to be like a minor league NFL kind of product, multiple broadcast Warren partners, is, Maybe, yeah, they've got multiple broadcast partners in the NFL. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And then, of course, we've got a new commissioner at the ACC, too, who has plenty of connections in the Big Ten and Jim Phillips. But now he's got, you know, ACC's interests in mind. So it's going to be interesting what he thinks is best for his new conference. As somebody who was really and I said we were doing one of our preview shows on CBS Sports HQ. I was with Chip and I said, oh, I think this could happen in a year. Like Texas, Oklahoma, get to the SEC. And even here on the podcast, I've said, man, I think this happens sooner rather than later. And then all of a sudden it comes screeching to a halt when Bowlesby sends his letter and you realize his tactic. And now you've got Klyovkov saying, hey, we're going to slow this down. Well, I feel like it came to a screeching halt it could be sped up really, really fast. For instance, what if, like, and I get the slow play, but if you're, if you're one of those remaining eight in the Big 12, I mean, are you really willing to just sit around and wait and collect those checks? Or are you investigating all avenues? If you're a Pac-12 school, are you just going to sit there and follow the commissioner's lead who's brand new and say, sure, we'll just kind of slow play this. We'll wait. Like, I feel like, 
because it got it caught everyone so off guard no one had any contingency plans and so everyone's kind of so i feel like it'll still be slower but i think people are trying to make moves to make sure they don't get left out behind the scenes and if they do that i think you could see the realignment settle but again to the big picture of the playoff how it impacted i think we're gonna have to wait now which sucks i hate it i hate that we're gonna have to wait now for the length of this contract, it's only going to be more controversial. There's only going to be more accusations of conspiracies. There's only going to be more college football fans that are going to be restless and unsettled. But I feel ultimately we probably will have to wait for the playoff itself. For realignment, I think that might move a little bit faster. But again, if it moves faster, what, the four teams is only going to become that much more controversial. And if Oklahoma and Texas did, were they able to get in sooner – and then you have potentially three and four teams in the conversation for the playoff. That's you're going to lose. You're going to, you're going to run the risk of losing some college football fans if you haven't already. So the there are too many um, roadblocks to me for me to think that it's going to be moving quickly. And it's going to take a lot of. It's going to take big settlements. It's going to take like an absorption of a league. It's going to take something uh, to to move these along. Those roadblocks include. Uh, number one, you know, Texas and Oklahoma and the grant of rights, but also when the SEC's new media rights deal starts and trying to align Texas and Oklahoma, like trying to get Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC early, does that, like, do you want that to happen before you take over this new media rights deal? Like the way that those two timelines don't line up doesn't sit right with me to think that it's going to be easy. Uh, The big 12 could just choose to sit back and say, no, you guys got to stay here all the way through the 2024 season. You know, you can go in 2025 and it's, it's just going to be awkward and we're going to continue to collect these checks. You are not going to expand the playoff if teams are going to be in motion. And so because of all these roadblocks, I, I see Taking it to market is another interesting part of this. I'm not dialed into the industry to know whether other broadcast partners are going to jump in there or whether ESPN is so committed to this thing, which, I mean, can we say ESPN created it? Right? I think it's fair to say. I mean, probably probably we're not against it. Yeah, I mean, like ESPN has been the entire owner of the college football playoff and the college football playoff and the college football playoff era has dominated the way that we talk about the sport. It has changed the way we talk about the sport. They're probably not going to be interested in allowing anyone else into uh, the discussion, but if enough conference commissioners and members of the board of managers and this committee and that committee, if if they continue to push that we can make more money if we take this to market and have multiple bidders, then yeah, I don't see uh, a chance where we see an expanded playoff before the full 12 years comes to a conclusion. You know, I'm also willing to offer myself as a consultant to all the conference commissioners if they want to talk to me about my idea from five years ago that includes 70 teams uh, and a 20-team playoff, but the 20 teams that are in the playoffs are all playing in five separate 14 playoffs. Wait, hold on. Did you mm-hmm. write this? Yeah. Five years, six in 2016, my relegation promotion plan for college football. Ah, could work. 70 teams. So it was like, if you're doing what you're doing now to the sport, is there a per- better, if, if you're ever going to do it, if you're ever going to adapt that kind of a model, this is the perfect time to do it because you'd make sure that you get your one super league. That is kind of what you're trying to go towards already at the top. But 
you provide other teams access to get into that league based on how things flow. So in the end, what the model ensures is that the best programs at any given time are always in the same league as the others. So I will say this about uh, college football playoff expansion. The count I opened the show talking about the calendar flipping. Boy, I I really found myself not caring. Like I'm like, hey, forget what's going on. Like you know, lawyers, y'all can fight about that. Like y'all y'all can figure out all the details and all the contracts. It is August. We got camp. We got to talk about who's going to be out here playing on the field. I'm so excited to have actual football because then that can be something that gets college football fans, like whether you're mad, whether you're angry, whether you like it, whether you don't like it, we're at least going to stop talking about all these hypotheticals and we can start to talk about real football. I am excited about that because it doesn't seem like anything's happening fast right now. Is that a fair consensus? Yeah, but you know it's going to dominate the discussion during the season? Don't You think it's going to be playoff? Playoff expansion and realignment. All right. Well, you know what? But at least we'll have good games to distract us from it at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, listen, if if they're going to be talking about college football playoff expansion in the middle of the third quarter of uh, Ball State leading Penn State by three in a very tense Happy Valley, well, you know, I, I guess I'll just have to put up with it. I, I've, I've done it before. I think I can do it. Uh, I, I think I can do it again. I look forward to a lot of third quarter Mac discussions about whether Ohio State and Michigan should join the SEC. <laughs> I don't know. What do you, Danny, you've been in those booths. It's it's always just a, a, a like back and forth where you sit there and it's like, well, you know, there's this going on. What what do you think about that? And then you I, are put on the spot for just like let's let's uncork some takes on the hot on whatever the topic is in college football. Totally. And I was always trying to be really cognizant of you're serving the viewer first. Like you, if the game is good, why are we talking about anything else but that game, the upcoming play, what they should be doing, what they're thinking. If the game is bad, I'm in my producer's ear saying, let me talk about anything but this game. You know, like, and I'm talking, you know, four touchdowns, second half. Let's turn this into talk radio. But then you're not really serving the viewers because people probably are watching it for gambling purposes which was frustrating to me because I was one trying to tell my bosses, hey, let us talk about the spread. Let us talk about what is potentially happening and let's not use some obscure reference like, ha ha, look at me. I know we're, everyone's watching it and then you, but you might get in trouble for it. So let's not talk about it. It was like, let's just do it. No one ever wanted to listen to that. So if we weren't going to be able to talk about that, it was always, let me talk about something that I think people will find entertaining because the game sure isn't. Yeah. It'll be fun. Because there's nothing more frustrating than there's a big fourth down or a big decision that has to be made, and you're coming off a promo because that's a big talking point at ESPN. Like, play off the promos when they're, you know, if you're watching one game at noon and they're talking about the big primetime coming up, they want to make sure, and some analysts want to get their two cents in on the game that's coming up as well. But if there's a, a moment that's bigger than that, which is the game you're in, you should absolutely be talking about that at the moment. Not the conference realignment rumors and expansion oh, no. plans. And tell me your expansion plan. Well, what are you doing if you're the, if you're covering Oklahoma State versus Iowa State and you're covering that game this year? Are you talking about expansion for that crowd? Good luck with that. Hey. This is going to be a great American Athletic Conference game next season. Yes. <laughs> Never mind. This is too inside base. Y- y'all think that Joel Klatt's going to tee off on the SEC? I feel like he already, yeah, he's already got him in the sights. He's already started. It's every penny out of him. Like, like, (laughs) like they, they, they find a way to shoehorn 
Big 10 and Big 12 teams into their uh, into their top 10 or like, here's my Heisman contenders. Like, how did we leave off like three dudes from the SEC who are the betting favorites? But we have like random dude. For, I, I, I love it. Like, Joe, and I don't think he tries to hide it, right? Like he's paid to analyze games, but also to really hype up the, the broad, the properties that, that Fox invests in. But I guess, I don't know, like if we're, if we're in media, we see it. And I just get a chuckle out of it. Like, yes. That's, that's no why I said he's hype. He's hyping yeah, yeah, those, yeah, yeah. those Fox properties and leaving off the sec routinely. Um, I wonder if viewers at home know, or if they care, I, I guess they do care. They probably respond to them quite a bit. Smart ones do the, the diehard college football fans do the casual ones. Don't, don't like know. they put it together. Like, Hey, he works for for Fox, so he's going to hype up the Fox properties. I would, plus, well, I would think they see it as that everybody hates their favorite team. Yeah, anyway, I, right. I don't think that they see it from who he's hyping up. I think they see who he's omitting, and so then he gets just labeled as an SEC hater rather than even like putting together the fact that he's uh, goosing up the people with Fox deals. Man, does he get out the pom poms for Ohio State though to make sure they're getting in? Because he knows that's probably the only chance they have. Hey, if Ohio State plays four games, that's all you need. To be, f- <laughs> to, be to be fair to him though, like Joel calls like six Ohio State games a year, right. so he's very familiar with them. And he was right; they beat Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. true. He is Danny Cannell. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott Three. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow me at Chip Underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.